Hey, what's going on? I'm Doug Cunnington and welcome to The Doug Show. In this episode, I'll be answering some listener questions. So folks sent in emails to feedback at doug.show and I put them on a list and every now and then I bunch them together and answer those questions. So thanks a lot for the folks that have sent in questions. Today, we have one from Mike about working with a partner and the pros and cons. And I've, I've worked on a few projects with partners, so I'll have some uh, tips for you there, pros and cons, and some of the things you should look out for. Also, there's a question in from Ryan who has used a page builder, like a, like a drag and drop sort of page builder situation for his landing pages and his home page. So those are the couple that I'll talk about uh, mainly. We'll see what other tangents I can go on. I do want to give a shout out to Brandon and Alte who uh, joined me on a live stream that I did on uh, Black Friday. So I'm actually recording this on Black Friday. It'll probably be going live in a couple weeks here. So recent times. And um, I've been doing live streams on Friday. So if you're not checking those out, Usually I put some sort of a, like an email out or I'll send out an email for the niche site project folks. Um, if you're on that email list and uh, put a link in there, if you're subscribed on YouTube, that's awesome. You probably see it anyway, but I decided to go live on uh, black Friday and talk about the deals, share some stories. And I'm starting to use this, uh, you know, better like live streaming software. So I have the ability to put on like graphics and watch the chat, schedule things uh, or like schedule live streams in a pretty straightforward, easy way. And the big thing that I really enjoy is being able to like play clips. So I can like play a movie, an animation or any sort of like movie format, like an MP4 or a dot move or whatever, MOV, whatever you say. And um, it allows me to like play a clip that's pre-recorded and uh, take a little break during a live stream. And it's a little bit of a cleaner presentation because it is pre-recorded. So I don't have to monitor the chat and, you know, concentrate so hard. So all around, it's like better production value. It looks better and it's easier for me during the live stream. The reason why I'm giving Brandon and Alte a shout out is like I'm playing clips and stuff and those guys were on for a very long time and they were on, I think we're pushing like five hours right now. It's still rolling and little behind the scenes tip, I put one of those pre-recorded videos, a three hour long one, went to the gym, walked the dog a couple times and um, recording a podcast and I have a timer set so that I can go back and uh, go live again. So it's Black Friday, wanted to communicate all the deals. And I can tell you, you know, you won't, <laughs> you won't listen to this until after Black Friday, but there were some truly uh, great deals out there and people are taking advantage of it. So it's, it's already paid off spending the time to do like the live stream. So people are getting value. They're buying, you know, services products that they need. They're getting a discount and I'm offering a bonus. So anyway, thanks a lot guys for staying on the live stream. If you haven't joined a live stream, check it out. Some people really dig it. I mean, I answer the questions. I don't have a producer. I'm just sitting in front of the laptop, looking at the chat, 
I have some prepared material to go over and um, it's pretty casual, pretty casual. And I think enjoyable. I think it helped form the like community of niche site project, especially on the YouTube side. Um, I did live streams for like <laughs> every week straight for many, many months. Um, in fact, I'm not even sure how many I've done, but at this point, like I can, I can handle, <laughs> I can handle going live. I don't get too nervous. So at some point, um, like a thing switched and I was like, okay, I could just kind of, um, go over my talking points. I don't freak out if something unexpected happens. There's technical issues all the time, <laughs> all the time. Um, but anyway, if you can't make it live to the live streams, you can still watch the replays. You can watch them at a, like a faster speed and there will most likely be more like pre-recorded videos that I insert into the videos. People liked it a lot um, on the live stream and like I said, it made it easier for me to do presentations and be involved in the chat a little bit more. So let's get to the questions here. So as I mentioned, Mike asked about working on a site with a partner. I've done this a few times. Um, and also like not just on a site, but like on a course and other sort of, you know, business engagements, right? I advise you to check it out. Like if, if you think, if you think that you can trust the person you're working with, like that's the big thing. I have heard of some folks that like met someone in a Facebook group. They've never met in person. They don't really know each other well at all. And they just happen to have like some common ground on whatever business endeavor they're going to check out. We'll talk about a niche site in this case. And if you don't know the person that well, there's like a trust factor that is hard, is hard to like get past. Now, the fact that Mike is asking about, Hey, you know, I'm thinking of partnering. This seems like a good idea. Like, do you have any tips? Um, you know, you're, you're probably over the trust factor. You're like, I've talked to this person enough where I don't think they're going to double cross me. And, and that's the risk, right? Someone could potentially like basically use your free, free labor and expertise to do some things. And then let's say, for example, the hosting is in their name or just the domain is in their name and registered to them. They could just take the site, right? They can uh, put the DNS um, and, and other like technical things on the back end to whatever new hosting they're at. And if they control that, then they basically can take over the site and take away your access. So that that's the risk, right? So there's a technical way that they can take things over and you can't do anything about it. That said, I have worked with multiple people on different projects. So one of the first ones was a course. And, you know, in this case, I was lucky because I like corresponded with that particular blogger for a few months. I kind of knew him. We were both blogging in the internet marketing space and um, he seemed like an okay guy. <laughs> and we both had... Um, a following and he seemed like a, you know, a trustworthy dude. We talked a bunch and um, eventually like worked on a course together. 
It was one of my very early courses. I think it was the second one in his first. It worked out well. We made okay money. We learned a lot along the way. There were you know, a few instances, now that I'm getting into the weeds of it, there were a few instances where we you know, were frugal guys. We bootstrapped everything we worked on and we try to, you know, cut costs and keep expenses low. And I think we probably could have done better and we got caught in the weeds by trying to buy products that were a little harder to use, a little more um, just hands-on like configuration that we had to do. And it ate up time. It, It took away time for marketing that we probably could have used, we could have spent a lot more time on marketing and just had an easier time with the technical stack of like tools that we were using. So anyway, the point is uh, sometimes it's good to pay a premium if it can save you time where you could spend time on other things instead of like technical configuration. Aside from that, right, working with a partner is great because it can keep you motivated if you say you're going to do something, you have that external force, uh, the accountability to work with someone else. You can't show up at your next meeting and say, you know what? I was going to write the copy for the sales page, but I got super busy and, um, you know, decided not to. So that's not done. That is not going to happen because you're going to have someone else that is expecting you and counting on you to do the work. Correspondingly, you are counting on them to work on, you know, setting up the website. And that is one of the huge advantages. You can separate the tasks. You can have like certain things that you're working on it, divide and conquer, as they say. And that way you can avoid duplicate work. That said, it's very important to like delineate who's working on what. And, you know, for me, when I've worked with people, it's been, very easy because that is a lot of what I did with my corporate job. There's a lot of like roles and responsibilities, always critical, you know, whenever you're showing up on a new project, working on a new thing, you don't want to have duplicate work. You don't want to have people like debating how to do a thing when one person can just like make the decision. There's so much wasted effort if people are like duplicating efforts or wasting time in some capacity. So it could be really valuable. You can get, you know, probably not twice as much done, but you could almost get twice as much done in the same amount of time for certain activities. Some stuff, it just takes a while to work through. You have to iterate. You have to, you know, write the sales copy, edit it, edit it some more, tighten it up. Like that sort of thing you may have to iterate on. But there's some stuff like setting up the website, getting all the uh, like the theme and the configuration and all that kind of stuff together. Or, you know, Mike, if you're working on a site with someone, maybe you're in charge of the SEO portion, like offsite SEO, outreach and all that stuff. And your partner is maybe in charge of the content. Maybe they're a fantastic writer and they can write. You don't have to hire anyone. They're an expert in the topic. They could just crush it on the content side and maybe you can crush it on the outreach side. Now that brings me to one of the other examples of a partnership that I was in. It was Project O White Hat. I worked with Rob Atkinson, a good friend of mine. And he basically had um, a site that he wanted to like grow and sell. 
He had a lot of uh, PBN, private blog network links, gray hat links. He wanted to convert it over and convert it over to like white hat links guest post, which I happen to have skills in. And it was around the time that I was also refining and executing on the keyword golden ratio. So there were two areas where I was like, hey, I could come in and do like this uh, sort of content improvement. I can add more content with keyword golden ratio terms. I can also, I can also like uh, get a bunch of guest posts. I've developed a pretty solid outreach program and I think we can move forward with that. Um, Rob was working on some more of the content uh, in certain areas. So we, we sort of like divided and conquered, like I mentioned before, and we had different skills in different areas. Rob also had some serious, um, to be redundant, I'll use skills again. He had great skills in on-page, on-site technical SEO. So we identified you know, a handful of posts for him to really optimize. So we, like I said, divided stuff up. We had the accountability and it's fantastic to get stuff done. So some of the cons, right? I mentioned it before, but you got to be able to trust the person. Um, in both of the scenarios that I just mentioned, it was a, a lot of money that we were dealing with, but we actually never had any legal contracts. Like I, I trusted these guys that I was working with. So I didn't feel like anyone needed uh, like an actual contract or for anything specific. I think with Rob and I, we did specify some things a little more um, just explicitly. So this mic is probably like the main thing that you should take away. So when things are going fine, there's going to be no problem. When, when everything's operating as you guys expect, there, there's no trouble at all. The part where it gets funny is, or bad, right? If something goes wrong. So for example, one of you has like a family illness or something like that, and you're unable to work on the site anymore. What, what happens? What happens in those cases? Maybe, uh, you know, I hope, I hope no one passes away, but maybe someone like falls off the face of the earth. <laughs> and then what happens then? It's good to have that specced out ahead of time. There are other scenarios, right? So basically you should come up with a list of possible scenarios. The good ones are easy, right? You never have to worry if, if things are turning out like you expected, the site's growing, everything's awesome. You sell it, you split the money, great. Um, but what if somebody wants to get out? What if someone's like, hey, I, I'm going to get a full-time job. I have a great opportunity at blah, blah, blah. I'm taking over my family's company or whatever, and you have to bail. So you should have it specced out like what happens if some partner has to leave the situation? Can the other person buy them out? Um, are there any terms related to that? Is there a buyout period? Can they just bail and like forfeit what they have? Like there's, you know, an infinite number of ways you could deal with it, but you should have those agreements like written down the possible scenarios that could come up. You can come up with weird, crazy, unlikely stuff. And maybe I should dig that up from like when Rob and I went through it, but we spent, you know, I think we, we agreed to work together 
we came up with uh, some contingencies that we needed to think about. And then we agreed on that. So we had like a shared document, a Google Doc. We didn't sign it or anything like that, but we had like it specced out. We both had access to that and, you know, worked out fine. We didn't have to hit any of those contingencies. However, one of the things that I think we did talk about is like, okay, what happens if the site gets penalized or we run into a major issue? Like what happens with that? So I can't remember what we decided, but it was all very like middle of the road and, you know, arbitrarily like fair. Like if you, if someone just walked in, it was like nobody really won big, (laughs) no one lost, just, it was a pretty fair split. I mean, that's probably the right way to do it unless someone's coming in with a lot more um, capital or resources or something like that. And they should own like more of the company, for example, or the project or however you're identifying it. So those are like a couple of the big pros and cons. So number one, I'll, I'll just highlight the couple that are really important. So working with someone can help you get a lot more done. You can sort of help the areas that you're weaker in by like finding someone who's stronger in those areas. And hopefully there's a good match where your strengths are their weaknesses. So you end up with like a better um, like unit, a better unit together than you would be separately. And the downside would be you have to, <laughs> you have to figure out like what happens when things go wrong. So it's very, it's sort of awkward to go through, but like, it's better, (laughs) it's better to do it before anything goes wrong than afterwards. Cause afterwards, like you won't, you know, you may not be thinking as clearly, you'll be more emotionally um, engaged with it. Where if you're just coming up with like scenarios that you may have to figure out how to deal with them, if you do it ahead of time, it will be easier. You could agree to it. And hopefully that emotional component won't be coming into play at all. Before I move on, I'm going to take it one step further. So I think it could be interesting, especially like people that are established. Like I think Mike's been around for a little while working for um, himself. Actually, I don't know a hundred percent what he has going on, but if, for example, Mike has, um, a few writers that he works with on a regular basis and he essentially has a content team. Well, it sure would be interesting if Mike partnered up with someone who can do the same with outreach. So at that point in time, it really takes the, like the skills and the resources that a person has. And that was Georgie just barking in the other room there. So sorry about that. Basically, um, it, it takes the partnership to a different level. So it's not just, you know, Mike can write and uh, Jason can do outreach. It's like they have a system in place already. They have resources that can work on this stuff. At that point, it's like you can really accelerate what you're doing. Further, if it's not like your first rodeo, you can actually like avoid a lot of mistakes and learn from each other along the way too. So I, I didn't mention that before, but that is um, another big advantage is like someone just has skills in a different area. So um, 
or, or not just skills in a different area, but like they have skills in a different area that you can learn from. So that's the important part. And then, you know, up your game and you can hopefully teach them some things too. But at the point where like you both have a few people that you can um, like work on projects together, then it's huge, very huge. And part of the, the I guess, work that I've done in in the case with Rob and I had another site that I partnered with somebody too, we kept you know track of all the expenses and revenue that each of us were pulling in so that we could true up all the financials and bookkeeping for the specific project as time went on. So it, at some point in time, I bought one of my partners out. He didn't have any more interest in working on a particular site and I wanted to get it. So we figured up the numbers and then we just trued it up and I bought him out. So I became the sole owner of that property and I still have it today. So anyway, just wanted to mention that as well. If you have teams, it may be a great way to like really accelerate what's going on. And if you do have a team that also indicates that you probably know what you're doing. So at that point in time, it's like you and your partner can go in, get a shitload done. So Let's move on to Ryan's question about using a page builder for his homepage, landing pages, and whatever. So I am not a fan of page builders or we'll we'll just use that term. So page builders, not a fan. I think at some point in time I was, you know, interested and I bought all the hype about having like beautifully designed pages. And I mean, I think a nice looking page can make a difference. However, as I've kind of gone to the opposite extreme, more of a minimalist approach, I am doing the opposite. And, it, and I think it turns out that like a, a boring looking page, in fact, on that live stream earlier today, someone was like, Doug, I got to be honest with you. Um, niche site project looks terrible. It's boring. I don't like it. There's no sidebars. It's just white background with black text and I can't stay focused on it. Well, it turns out I have a lot of data that suggests that other people can. So uh, luckily I can, I can lean on the data and my own, you know, engagement with websites. So that said, I did buy into the hype. Now I'm swinging over on the other side. I currently use the focus WordPress theme, which is based on the thesis um, DIY themes theme. (laughs) So it's uh, the old thesis basically has like a new skin laying on top of it. That's what I use at niche site project. The engagement has gone up. People stay on the site longer. People look at the content that they're on for longer They are visiting more pages per visit, like all the metrics that I am looking for, it's working out well. Um, So that said, it's simple and that's what I like these days. It's also uh, very fast loading. So one of the major downsides for any of the page builders out there is they're probably going to be slow to use as the admin. So when you're building the page, at best, it is madly frustrating (laughs) and you want to throw your laptop out the window. At least that's what it was for me. 
And I am a fairly patient person, um, at least on the surface, you know, on the surface. Um, but basically, they're slow to use as the admin. The code is usually very bloated. There's a lot of extra code that maybe doesn't need to be there. And I noticed this specifically using uh, like Thrive Content Builder is what it was called back in the day. Now it's Architect. And basically, um, I removed Architect from one of my pages, put in like the standard, just plain vanilla, as I mentioned, white background, black text, simple. And the size of the page dropped dramatically. I think it was by 56%. And then the load time sped up correspondingly. And it's just, when I looked at the code, I could see I could see it in the source code when I went to Chrome and right clicked and then looked at the viewed the source. I could see there was just all these like tags and extra formatting that didn't need to be there. Some of the stuff, of course, you know, if I'm going to add like some kind of pretty button with a drop shadow and some other stuff, there's going to be some extra code for that. And I understand it. However, this code showed up for like what should have been just normal text. So there's a lot of garbage that shows up with page builders. Now, I can't comment on like what like Thrive Architect is like now. I know there's a ton of other page builders. I haven't used them all. I just avoid them. You know, I'm getting through life just fine without using a page builder. Yes, I know there's a bunch of people that are like, hey, this page builder is awesome. You should check it out this page looks beautiful, blah, blah, blah. They're all affiliates, man. They are all affiliates, guaranteed 100%. And, um, you know, hopefully I won't like go to the dark side and start promoting bullshit products. But um, you know what? Everybody has their price. So if some company was like, hey, Doug, we're going to give you, I'll just make it high enough. So if they happen to be listening, they can, uh, <laughs> they can contact me. They're like, hey, Doug, We'll pay you uh, $2,000 if you make a 10-minute video and you just talk about our theme a little bit. I'll probably do it, all right? I, I mean, I have a price and it's not even that high. But um, <laughs> the point is the people that are telling you, hey, check out this page builder, they are either the maker or they're an affiliate. I guarantee it 100% because other people just don't give a shit and they wouldn't even talk about it unless they had some incentive monetarily to do it. So I don't, and I, I'm trying to, you know, stay, stay, uh, stay in the lane that I am in right now, which is just telling it like it is. And I'm telling you what I'm doing and I want my page, page to load fast. I don't want to mess around with a page builder trying to put it together. And, um, Ryan, here's the deal. If you already, and I think this is what was in your email, Ryan, if you already have like your page set up, if you already have your page set up for your homepage and it's how you like it and it's loading as fast as you want it to and you look at the code and, and you're like, hey, this is pretty lean um, and it loads in a second or under a second and a half or so, I wouldn't touch it. Don't remove, um, like if you're using Elementor or Thrive Architect or anything that I've trashed in the past, it's okay. Like if it's loading pretty quick, stick with it. Because I, I could tell you um, on the age site case study, I 
thought that it would be loading pretty slowly because they use Thrive. And there's some rich formatting, there's some short codes and some other business going on in there. But I was like, you know what? I need to, well, I don't want to do the extra work, number one, but I was like, I'll check the speed and I'll check the size of the pages and it loads pretty fast. It's on a pretty vanilla um, hosting package over on SiteGround and basically it loads as fast as I need it to. I think it's under a second and a half. I think it's like 1.2, something like that for the homepage and that's good enough for me. So I don't want to change things if they're working and it's loading fast enough. So I do know that sometimes the code loads pretty fast. And that was even on a Thrive um, theme, which I was just telling you how wasteful some of the the, uh, the code can be. Well, whatever is on my age site is loading pretty damn fast. So with that said, Ryan, if your homepage or any of your landing pages are loading appropriately, and you don't have to edit them um, very often because that takes time and it's cumbersome to use those those very powerful tools. They're so powerful that they run slow. You know, there's a trade-off. You can do so much with one of those platforms of like a, you know designing a homepage. You could do anything, but it's not free. It's, it's never free. It's going to take a while to put it together. If you ever want to like move to a different theme it's probably going to be kind of difficult. You're going to have to migrate from that page builder to something that is different. And normally that's going to break a lot of things. However, if you are using you know fewer plugins and don't use short codes, like short codes usually will break whenever you, you know, migrate to anything that doesn't recognize those short codes. So that's a problem. And you should, you should keep that in mind. There's like a, there's a cost associated with like entrenching into a product like that. And I kept using Thrive Architect, even though it was driving me crazy and I couldn't get support. And other people have complained about the the support too. If you Google it, you'll find information on it. And um, it, it was like just a nightmare to deal with. However, it would it was very difficult to migrate away from thrive as well so i just stuck with it for at least two and a half years and then finally chris pearson over at diy themes was like rolling out focus and was he was putting out content that really really resonated with me about you know simplifying the presentation removing distraction removing options and I bought into it. It took a little while to implement, but the results have been very good. And it's helped me, it's helped me look at some other areas that are against the grain. You know, it's against what people are selling their products for or their services or whatever. But it makes sense from the end user standpoint. So anyway, Ryan. I think I went on some tangents there. I think I ranted a little bit, but I will summarize and say, check out your homepage and your landing pages. If they are loading in a reasonable amount of time, excellent. Just leave it the way it is. No need to migrate and create like extra work for yourself. I think I already replied via email, Ryan, and said, don't create any new pages that are using that 
page builder. Just keep it straightforward. You know, some decent formatting will go a long way, but you don't have to do anything um, like crazy. If you want to, you know, put together some custom CSS so that you can, I guess, format, say, a pros and cons box, for example, that's just an exercise to work on. And you can design your own custom, like, formatting for that. It's not that difficult. You may, maybe you even hire a developer to put together like a little CSS and you could like use that formatting on your site and it's a a little custom and there's not like repeated code. And if you move to a new theme, it'll still work. You know, all those sort of things are very important. And, And we don't think about it. We don't know in the beginning. Um, so I can't blame you, right, for using um, Elementor or another page builder out there. I, you know, I started doing the same thing. And then at some point I was like, oh, I don't enjoy spending time on that. I should probably do something different. And it, unfortunately, because of the cost of migration, it can be pretty cumbersome to switch it up. So thanks, everybody. If you want to have your question featured, you can shoot me an email at feedback at doug.show. And there's also a voicemail uh, phone number that's in the show notes. So you could just take a look at that. You can give me a call. It is very helpful to write it out ahead of time. About 90 seconds is the perfect length of a question. And if you need to provide more detail, you can send it via email. But 90 seconds is kind of where you want the voicemail to be at this point. If you send in a voicemail, it's probably going to show up on the show and I don't get that many. So as long as it's a reasonable question that I didn't just have a show on, it will probably end up on the show. So thanks again to Mike and Ryan, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here at my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it. And I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe. And don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.